everyone, thanks very much for listening to Get Out of Rap again. This is episode 102 with David Holmes, the Operations Director at Cigna. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap. Today I'm joined by David Holmes, who is the Operations Director at Cigna. And we allocate like... Um, normally allocate about an hour's meeting and we suddenly both just said just said we better hit record because we've chatted for about 50 15 minutes and it was really good stuff and I should have hit record earlier but David thanks very much for coming on uh, absolutely brilliant to be here man thanks for having me and a lovely backdrop as well we didn't touch on that yeah it's, it's more for show than than anything else I learned <laughs> I learned a little bit of how to play guitar at 40 um my, my daughter's a massive ukulele fan she's very talented musically and um yeah they, they sit there quite a lot I don't play as often but if I'm having a tough day one of them comes off the wall and, and I have a brief shot at it and then it goes back because it doesn't sound brilliant <laughs> great <laughs> that's great and um, maybe you can give us a little tune by the at the end well, I don't know if I'm doing requests. That, that's definitely that's definitely by appointment and um, okay. large, large, yeah. large fees involved and stuff like that, man. Yeah. Um. So we've we've spoken um today, like I said, and we've been in touch over LinkedIn and all those things, and you kind of feel like you get to know people before even even meeting and speaking to them. But you've got a fascinating um, backstory. Where where's it start for you? This kind of journey to where you are now. It's it's all accidental, um, Martin. I would say I'd I'd love to tell you this grandiose plan that that got me to where I am. Um, the, the the truth is is that I probably have what you would call the Zen method of navigation for my career, and so and so much that I genuinely believe I end up where I'm supposed to be. You know, and and, and there's lots of times I've been disappointed in my career that maybe something hasn't worked out or I've not got a job I went for. Um, but I always end up where I'm supposed to be and, 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 and hopefully making a difference. But, I mean, even, even get to this point, we'll probably run through the contact side of the career in, in a bit more detail. But, yeah, I mean, I've worked since I was 13. I was a milk boy. I'd done my, I'd done my stint there, you know, up at 5 o'clock in the morning, then a day at school. Um, I was an apprentice joiner. Um, briefly building cold store fridges across the UK at a time when the U EU regulations were changing. Back in the days when we were in the EU, Martin. Um, and I think um, that taught me a lot about life, but not not very much about joinery because I wasn't very good at it and I've got scars that prove it. Um, and then I worked at Glasgow Airport for seven years as an HGV driver. And again, if you ever see me coming down the road in an HGV truck, my advice would be get across the road or do something different. Um, I, 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 I held the record, I think, for a number of things at the airport, but the, I guess the worst scenario was I reversed my truck into the wingtip of an ATP aircraft and, and shut the airport for an evening. That got me a final right. written warning. Yeah, I get, I get suspended for the weekend for that one. Um, and, 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 and probably only saved my job because I didn't have a wingman at the time. But like, it's one of those things, right, that the airport in itself is a, is a whole other book probably when I get round to writing it. But... Um, yeah, the, the, the wing tips of an ATP aircraft at the time held all the fuel, and that was the wing that I hit with my truck. So, yeah. So long before I went into contact centres, that's what I was doing. And and very rightly, somebody thought, maybe safer if you're in an office, David. Um, and, and, and my wife at the time, I remember her saying, like, you're going to get serious about your career. Um, and I moved into Quick Fit Insurance up in Huddingston, 
which was my first experience at a contact centre. And um, that was an interesting place, no longer with us, sadly. Um, they, they closed, I think, two years ago. Um, but they had a massive big buzzer system, Martin, in, in the middle of the floor. And any time you get a sale, you hit the button, you know, and it was... <laughs> Um, and, and it was probably about the greatest thing about working there. Nothing else was that great at the time. But what, um, so did you go straight from doing HGV to the contact centre? Yeah, so look, I'd always wanted to do sales, you know. I think sales was open and honestly where I thought the money was, right? Um, yeah. And I had an interview with an insurance company in Glasgow, this rather... I'm hoping maybe the guy's not around anymore or retired or doesn't listen to this, but he was a really interesting, to use a, a, a polite word for it, interesting character who really talked in riddles, but got me dead curious about the opportunity and the money I could earn. And, and here I didn't get that job and end up at QuickFit at the time. Um, and they took a chance. They were obviously, as you understand the industry, attrition and the challenges people have getting people. And, and I could obviously talk a little bit had a wee bit of smarts about me because they, they were doing they were doing psychometric testing for advisors back then, you know, which is was was quite interesting. Um and I ended up there just accidentally, you know, as I said to you, sort of kind of Zen method by trying to get into sales, I end up in a, a telesales environment. And um I, I think even back then it was something like eleven grand a year to, to take yeah. this job plus bonus unlimited bonus, which was code for we don't believe you've got a chance of hitting unlimited <laughs> bonus you know but we can write ote and a massive number on the ad absolutely we can so yeah i think um i went there and, and, and i'll be honest but the, the training was was brilliant and i met i met a, a, this crazy glasgow dude um who i'll not name and we used to car share and he he was the highlight of that job and it was him that actually got me into an interview for direct line insurance in glasgow which was where I would say my career properly took off. Um, and and there's nothing I've got but gratitude for Direct Line as a, as a business and the people who worked there because it, it was at the point where it had already been hugely successful in changing the insurance market. They were dealing with the demand profile. Um, and I worked up in Cadogan Street in Glasgow and it was, it was just a brilliant atmosphere. You walked in in the morning and you had 300 calls in the queue and you walked out at the end of the night there was still 300 new calls in the yeah. queue. And, and as an advisor, I, I, I mean, I don't mind sharing. It's, I, I think my salary was 9800 there. I actually took a drop in salary to move back into Glasgow. Um, and, and I was making twenty two grand a year because the bonus was just, it was unlimited, but you only had a, a, a amount of people you could speak to in a day, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I would do two nights a week overtime on a Saturday. You know, that, that was my advisor experience, and I loved it. I loved talking yeah. to people, Martin. I loved the characters you could meet. I love the stories people would share with you on yeah. the phone. I mean, some heartbreaking stuff, um, some propositions there again, which was interesting. How people maybe thought you looked versus how you sounded. Um, yeah. And, and then some just real crazy people um, who would phone you up and it was car insurance, right? They'd phone you up and go, how much is it for an XR3i? <laughs> you know, they just expect you to tell them a number. And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. I need all your details. Um, it, 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 it was a great environment. They were a great company. Work for his advisor, and 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 honestly, um, thinking back on it, I, I still don't know that you ever replicate that first experience. If you were ever an advisor in your career, and I'm sure lots of people who listen to your show either are or have been in in, in different stages of their career, it's hard to replicate it. 
what you felt as part yeah. of that team. You know, that there was a real sense of it. And I remember when the first team I was part of, people would leave now and again and come and go. Um, but largely it was the same nucleus of people. But the first time they split it as a restructure and, you know, yourself, it happens a lot in contact centers. You structure teams different, do expands of control. Um, I was gutted. I yeah, I fought it, you know, and yeah, it's tough. But you're yeah, bringing, you're you're bringing back. This is lovely though, because I remember I I remember thinking if you could measure on a graph the amount of times I laughed in a day, I'm sure it was at my highest. Yeah, when I was on the phones, and I can remember things going on. Um, you know, I had a family very young, and that brings with it all, all its challenges. Yeah. And I can remember maybe things go, not being great at home at a certain point, and, you know, everyone has that, right? Yep. But but being in the car, driving to the call centre, and like you, I started in tele-sales, and it was um, like 100% bonus the first one. I moved to another one that was, Oof. yeah, very... 100% very, bonus is a tough gig, right? <laughs> yeah, very, because you were thinking, I can't pay my rent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've got, totally. I, it gives you the wrong behaviours. Um but I can remember driving in, going, oh, we're worried about the bills or whatever. But then, as I got closer, I thought, oh, I can't wait to hear about so-and-so. Because every day, not just the customers, but the people around you had the story. Every day, I think, at least once a day, I would be laughing so much that I'd have to put myself in rap. Yeah. Because I, there's no way I could take a call. Because people around you would just made the job brilliant. Yeah. And it's funny because obviously the title of the show is Get Out of Rap, but I remember that being the, the dialogue you used to have for your, yeah. your, your team leader, right? Yeah. Gonny, get, get out of rap. That's the Scottish way of saying it, isn't it? Gonny. Um, <laughs> and you're like, no bother, right? So I think, um, yeah, we had so much fun. We, we, we were quite focused. I mean, there, there, there was a girl yeah. on our team who literally filled up a bottle of water and sat at her desk, didn't move till break. <laughs> come back sat up, and, and she had the most sales right she yeah just, she just ground mm. it out you know and yeah um whereas the rest of us would be like i'll take a wee water break here get a breather because you know it's it's yeah. it's hard to talk to somebody um physically and mentally. i mean i don't know that people understand how physically demanding contact center can be on on parts of your body you don't exercise like your throat you yeah, know like your brain right. um mm. i i i went into <laughs> It's part of being an HCV driver, albeit I, I, I drove into a plane and stuff like that. <laughs> um, um, I, I actually had um, a 20 vision. My vision was perfect. Um, within a year of working in a contact centre, I needed glasses. Um, and, and what the what the um, optician had said is that I was so intense, which became a, a feature of my career, right? But I was so intense um, that I was staring at the screen as if I was, I was talking to a real person. That was my way of doing business. And back then... We didn't dumb mainframe system. We didn't. We 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 didn't have a PC back then. I'm sure my age, right? But I I used to stare at the screen as if I was talking to somebody, and I used to get into the zone. So I, a I was listening with intent, you know. And I'm not always the best listener. I try hard, Martin. But when I'm selling, I was bloody good, you know, yeah. because that made a difference to me and my family. Like you, yeah. my family came along not long after I joined in there, and you, you start thinking, right, this this matters. You know, mm. and um, I, I I think needing the glasses quite early on would give you an indication of it. And I remember one guy, remember you used to be mic buttons you could mic on and off, and people yeah. would be like, you say something right, maybe inappropriate, or, or maybe you were like, oh, this customer's maybe not going for it, or whatever. <laughs> right, we'll keep it, we'll keep it in the, the right side of the angels. 
Um, and there was one guy in our team at one point who used to think it was fun to sort of make yawn and off, right? So I was doing this pitch <laughs> with this guy and what the guy was and all that sort of stuff. And I remember, right, and it's probably wrong, I remember after the call, I'd managed to get the sale, I'd composed myself, but as you would say in Scotland, I was all gone, right? I was I was going, sort of, my heartbeat's going because I was just frustrated and so focused. I remember saying to this guy, like, that's the last time you play with my mic button, you know, and that's the sort of, <laughs> sort of vibe. Yeah. But, but, and then later you're sitting at lunch and you're laughing about it, you know, and it was you, you, the teamship even then, even without all the ideology and understanding and development that we we now know, because it wasn't there then. Um, yeah. yeah, these ha- things happen. Yeah, they, 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 they happened, but we didn't know uh, the theories behind them or the, yeah. the terminology, but they absolutely, like you made a point earlier about when there's restructures and things like that. It's That stayed with me now up until into leadership positions that, one of the very last things you do is split busy mates up. You know, you if yeah. you if you can if you can keep because that's what keeps them going. You know, that's what keeps people going. And you made another great point actually because the best salespeople I ever worked alongside and then had in my teams were the ones that were consistent. Yeah. You know, hardworking, consistent. It's funny when you mentioned that um, lady. One one sprang to mind in my mind straight away. She was exactly the same. She never moved. She just got on with it and she was good. And it was just, we'd be like, how does Sarah smash us month in, month out? I don't, just don't get it. Yeah. And you were like, okay, listen to her call. She was a lovely person, but she just had this like metronome sort of, she could just next call, next call, next call, next call. But you, you know as well as I do, Martin, when it comes to sales, part of it's numbers part of its consistency and and I remember so I was good I was generally a bit in the top 10 percent I was never ever the top sales guy entirely in numbers where I found a sort of kind of a part and this is this has stayed with me a long time I've wrote lots of bonus schemes and involved in lots of sort of stuff and it's seen the angles right it's it's yeah. seen what the How opportunity is exactly so yeah. um, and, and it helps you as a leader as well because a lot of the stuff that people try on in contact centers, you know, you know that you, you know the angles, right? But one of the things, and I thought it was really innovative at the time that the direct line certainly did, and I hope I don't get any trouble for mentioning it, but they had a really big focus on quality even back then, and, and kudos to them. So it wasn't just about sales, they were they were really motivated to make sure you looked after the customer. So they had a qualitative element in the bonus and it acted as an accelerator. So I would say some people sold more than me, but they didn't necessarily earn more than me. Yeah. So I really took time on people's names. Um, and in particular, I mean, you can back nearly 25 years, Martin, right? So back then, the, the diversity and, and, and the, the geography of Britain was different. You know, I used to be able to see a certain postcode come up in the system, and I knew I was going to offer them a 120 quid policy, right? I'm yeah. almost sitting there ready to say to somebody, go and get your credit or debit card. But even back then, yeah. Martin, you're yeah. probably only talking 60% of the population were just starting to get cards. Yeah. used to deal with a lot of older people back then who would probably be the age I'm now, right? But but people who were in the sort of 60s plus, um, I'm not 60 plus yet, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Who, who just steadfastly refused to get a credit or a debit card, mm. you know? So you couldn't <laughs> sell them a policy. Um, and, and, and you'd be frantically asking the supervisor if you could set up 12 monthly direct debits on the first <laughs> instance. And that's a whole other story. But look, 
great place. I loved it. I loved the brand as well. They used to have they used to have a Scottish guy in their advert as well, which was great for me seeing somebody you could identify. And they used to have this statement saying, Am I 18 again? It was like, no, do I need my car insurance? That sort of stuff. And it was just about getting the right balance, you know. Loved, loved the company, loved it there. And again, I think they they were good enough at the time where if you were good, if you showed aptitude and attitude and you were willing, um, they, they would give you a chance, right? So you went if you'd been an advisor, you didn't they had a test even back then for a senior advisor position. It wasn't yeah. somebody just identified you and said, yeah. Oh, you're in. You had to test yeah. for it to show you had the knowledge, which I thought was a cool thing. Um, yeah. became a senior advisor, and then a whole series of secondments. So you, you end up with your first team. And I, I don't know what it was like for you, Martin. For me, it was you take the team shift that nobody wants. It's not the team, it's the shift. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I'm so glad that I did because I had a group of 12. Back then, the span was one to 12 in, in that business. And they were all students. And there was 11 girls and one guy in this team. This guy, you know, and he, he was like a law student. And he was brilliant. He was just dead quiet. He was quite introverted, but come in and just, just done his job. And he had all these 11 young girls with him just sort yeah. of at him. And he, he just... It just worked, and we worked it. We worked the Friday five till nine shift, the Saturday nice. all day, and the Monday five till <laughs> yeah. nine. Yeah, no nobody wanted it, but I loved it, right? Because yeah. it, it also gave you you get a bit more freedom, and I'd say that to anybody listening to the call who's aspiring. Don't always knock something back because on the surface it doesn't look great. You know, I, I, I've taken jobs that nobody else has wanted before, Martin, or, or nobody else has seen the potential in. You know, you need to look at something sometimes and say, I can make a difference here. And I remember crushing it with this team. We started winning stuff. They were they were super enthusiastic. They were all switched on. They were super intelligent. They were smarter than me. You know, these were all degree-led students. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a degree, right? I'd, I'd left school, went to work. Um, I'd, I had a big trauma when, when, when I was at school. Someone attacked me and nearly killed me. And, and I'd, I'd left school because of that. my head wasn't in a good space. So I think, um, I know I've just casually flung that in there, right? But the, the bottom line is I left school, went what? And these guys were just brilliant. They were brilliant for me. I got a bit of an education about what they were doing. And they come in and they worked hard, right? And they and, and, and they done a great job. And because of that, then people go, what's he doing with that team? Wonder if we gave him one of the bigger teams or if we get him involved in that. And in the next sort of three or four years, I, I was sort of, oh, sorry, the next two or three years, sorry, I was seconded. I'd done different teams. I worked in different departments. And then they gave me what they called a champion role. And you hear these sort of terminologies bouncing about contact centers. I don't, don't know that I always agree with them, but at the time it felt brilliant. And, and I was the HR24 champion, which was a new product they launched at the time, which was um, uh, emergency home cover, a bit like breakdown cover. Now that's quite common now, but at the time it, it, it just wasn't. And, and um it was just a great opportunity to do something different. You're like writing little bits of script. You're you working with different teams. You're having to facilitate, which you've never done before. And, and it's there. And and I had all that in direct line. And, and, and just there's a couple of other things I pull up. One, it was my introduction to the fun you can have in a call centre. Because I remember we had a, a, a talent contest day back when, I think, I don't even know, it was Pop Idol just out there? Probably. That's how far back we're going. Yeah. Um, and I remember making the band. I made it into the band, Martin, you know, and I was like, yeah, dancer. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to get you singing a canteen in front of 800 people over two sessions. Um, and then the, there was a bit where I think just that that, that sociality that you get in a, your contact environment, you go out together, you, you work hard, you play hard, you, you're part of your team. 
and and I just loved that, right? Um, and and I think all those experiences plus the investment and Direct Line were really good at the time. They were part RBS, but they ran in as a separate entity. So RBS obviously made the money out of them, which was good for them. But they ran differently, so they were they were teaching you how to lead with empowerment twenty five years ago. Martin. And I, I've yeah. worked with businesses either directly or or through my consultancy I had last year, where people are not even thinking about that yet. It shows you it's how mental, far forward they were. It? Oh, just it, it, it's nuts. But the one challenge you had with a business like Direct Line at that time was it was so good people didn't leave. Yeah. So it was dead man's shoes. Um. So I, I couldn't get an opportunity to get a permanent role. And and I, honestly, it's the best thing that ever happened because it forced me to look elsewhere at the time. And this comes back to your, uh, I love from the outset that kind of outlook of just trusting without without sounding too hippie, trust in the universe, right? Trust in you're going to end up where you're going to end up. It might not feel great at the moment or things, bad things actually lead to, to good things, but um I really love that. Right at the outset, you you said it. So from direct line then, that kind of different secondments, going into different teams, taking different roles, that's just building up such a wealth of knowledge in your brain and experience, isn't it? But then did you reach a point where you were just like, I'm now such a better weapon, you've got to use me. How how can you use me? And, and if that isn't there, then did you what did you do then? No, <laughs> I wish I thought I was a better weapon at the time. No, I, 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 so, so, so no, I think um, it's quite an easy story to sell. I, I think the week before Christmas, I don't, I'd been two years into a secondment. And at the time, the law was if you were seconded two years, you were entitled to the job, right? So it was law. Very few people enforced it. And, and my then leader brought me in to tell me I was going back in the phones the following week. I'm thinking, Merry Christmas. Now, I don't blame her for that. She was following her instructions. You learn that as you become the leader, how, yeah. thing, how things work. Um, and then the following week, they brought me in and said, actually, we've managed to do something. So they're obviously trying hard for me, right? And you're not going to have to. But that made my mind up saying, I have to move. There's not, there's yeah. not going to be any jobs here for me. And um, unfortunately, I, I, and, and because Direct Line was part of the wider RBS group at the time, you could you could look on the internal system. And I applied for a branch manager's job. I also got offered a team leader's job in, in, in one of their mortgage centres, but I would have earned less money than I did as an advisor. So clearly wasn't going to do that, right? And, and that was because I was a high-performer advisor, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So um, long story short, I jumped into the, the, the big bad um, mechanism. It was RBS, and I took the branch manager job on, and, and that was a face-to-face job. It was a big learning curve. Um, counting up cash, you can't leave at the end of the night unless you balance. Customers been sick on your ATM machine. and But, you know, I, I just approached it the way I approached anything. I, I would walk the floor, you know, I would go out, speak to customers. I, I learned how to do some of the advisor stuff. I remember selling a loan. I think I can say that now and, and be okay with, with PPI on it um, and, and things like that, right? And, and look, it, it was a good time. It wasn't for me, but and I very quickly went into the wider RBS system and ironically, direct line in um, financial services, which was a different part of the business. It was That was fully RBS, but they owned the brand. Do you know what I mean? So they would use the yeah, brand yeah. for financial. Yeah. Um, and I, I went back into Glasgow, and then, and and again, it was the part of it I went into was mortgages. Again, new learning curve. Everything went with it. We were quite a small part of the business, um, and I remember one of the things I still remember is nearly falling out the window doing the sack race. Do you know what I mean? Me, me, me and my colleague, we were 
been super competitive as you are, you know, we were sales teams, we were, we were doing that, and, and as a team leader up there, and really fell out the window, but I met a guy there, and, and I'll not name him, because he knows who he is, he, he might or might not listen, and he became a bit of a mentor for me, um, <coughs> probably the first time I've, I've, I've latched on to somebody to that degree, up to that point, I've worked with brilliant people, and I'm, and I'm magpieing, um, my, yeah. everywhere I go, I'm, I'm I'm borrowing with pride other people's ideas and yeah, incorporating them into my own sort of philosophy and, and, and who I am. And I think the one thing I would always say, and I, I probably under-talked it, seven years at the airport meant that I talked to lots of different types of people for lots of different types of countries um, and for lots of different backgrounds. And you never lose that. And I think that always helped me because I'm not naturally gregarious. I'm not an extrovert. Um, I, I'm an introvert, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm probably more likely and more comfortable in my own skin and my own time than, than with people at times. But that forced me to be more social and it, it helped me in that leadership. That maturity probably helped me more than people who just come straight into it. But soaked it all up. And then I moved about the bank. The one thing that I took, um, probably for then I didn't spend any longer than two years anywhere. So I went from mortgages, um, I don't know if any of your listeners will remember style cards. Um, they were more of a Scottish brand, but used to use them in like Emco and Goldbergs and Riggs and companies like that. Um, and they had like 39.9% APR. And I worked in that contact center, sort of managing the book. It never really grew that much. Then I went back into storing credit, uh, so, sorry, um, credit cards as part of the group. And I'd seen you posted about the South End and Sea team. They, they were part of that division. And again, we were only ever a wee token add-on. And I'd done security and fraud. And, and honestly, it wasn't like I thought it was going to be. Uh, when they told me it was security and fraud, I thought I was going to be able to go and knock doors down, right? I'm for Paisley. And I'm like, yeah, let's get in there and, and take some, some, some people out here. Let's, let's catch some people. <laughs> yeah. And it's not. It's basically people saying, you've, you've blocked my card. Can you unblock it? And I was running teams who did that. And, and as things went on, I'm going for sort of team leader to contact centre manager to unit manager, that type of thing, moving for having teams of 14 and a sort of kind of like 120 people and been a bit more responsible, a bit more strategic thinking, a bit more delivery focused. Um, and, and honestly, all the way through it, right up until the end, and I was there when, when, when RBS started crashes, operationally they were brilliant, Martin. And, and, and I, would, I would have words with anybody who would say different. They were a big wheel, and, and, and when you were part of some of the bigger parts of the business, it was hard to change stuff. But they were doing good to great back then. They were they were investing in the leaders, you know. I, I had a lot of investment in me. And I would definitely say, from a leadership perspective, that was a massive part of my apprenticeship, right up until I went from being the apprentice to being someone who was a practitioner, I would say. You know, and, 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 and thanks to, as I said, a, a guy in particular who then became part of my next part of my career as well, as these things do. Um, I managed to get a lot through it, but I had some hard times. I made some big mistakes. Um, you should watch what you're saying at a night out when you've had too many jugs of ale sometimes. Um, and I can't help myself. I'm an honest guy. I, somebody asked me an honest question. I'm sometimes too dumb to know any better and I just tell the truth, right? Because that way I don't need to remember what I've said. But then when you do remember what you said, you're thinking that one would have been better said sober. You know, so you, you learn some of that stuff that what you say outside the work sometimes gets brought into work. But um, brilliant time at RBS, loved my time there, right up until I didn't. Um, and I think the moment they said that they were going to stop paying frontline people um, profit share, that sort of focused my mind. Because honestly, back then, the profit share paid my council tax every year. 
Um, and I had nine straight years of getting this profit share until I didn't. The second bit was, and it was really had a profound effect on me, Mark. My guy came to do an audit. So one of the things the bank does, obviously, is audits itself. And this guy was sitting saying, and every year, and he'd worked for the bank for about 25 years or something, he'd been ploughing his profit share back into shares. And the share price had collapsed and it had ruined his retirement. And the guy broke down in tears in front of me. And I remember feeling quite helpless about it. And honestly, even now thinking about it, I just think about how sad that was, how deeply affected. And, and, and you become, I guess, a little bit more focused on the whole, if you don't take chances now and again, you're, you're just going to be left with the same outcomes. And as much as I'd, moved, I'd made some sideways moves in the bank, I'd made some forward moves, um, what I do think it did is it built up this bank experience that I see some people get over-promoted too soon, Martin. Not because they're not talented, not because they've not got a brilliant mind, but I don't know that they're steeped in enough experience to cope with things that they've just not seen. This helped me see everything. And I think that last bit was like, no, it's time to do something different. You know, I've done I've done nearly 10 years here in total, and I want to go and do something different. Um, and like other aspects of my career at that point, somebody said, how do you fancy coming to speak to us about this? And before I know it, I'm speaking to somebody about T-Mobile as it was at the time. There's there's so much there. Um, I, I love the kind of, did you say it was borrow with pride, that kind of yeah. magpie? Because yeah. I think that's something absolutely I've done and a lot of people, a lot of guests have, have said, it's okay to take from people you've worked with or people you see and go, I'm going to use that, that's brilliant. The other one, the other thing there is the value of having a mentor type figure, right? Just kind of that can, what was that, what did that relationship give you at that stage in your career? One of the things that I value the most, Martin, is knowing that somebody's got my back, you know, and I don't mean that in a whole sort of kind of, yeah, something goes wrong, we'll make up a story type carry on, right? Nothing like that. I just mean that, somebody's willing to trust me if I make a mistake, that mm. it's an honest mistake and, and I'm yeah. trying my best. Um, that somebody's willing to stand up for me when somebody else is having a pop at me. I remember, uh, wait, I'll share this, right? I, I don't know if the person who said this to me will remember. I remember going and meeting my boss's boss, right? So the guy that was a bit of my mentor was my boss, right? So um, he, he, he often picked me up as well, you know, often because we were a one-car family at the time. And... And it meant that that car was available. That's a massive thing to me. Forget yeah. the work. That's just somebody yeah. giving their time and space to help me. Um, yeah. And I think I appreciate more than I did at the time. It was just something I took for granted probably at the time. I don't know. Um, but I remember one time I met his boss and it was a career chat type thing. And this guy sat in an office back then. And I couldn't tell you that I sit in an office now, you know, unless there's a, I need a bit of space. A guy had his own office and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, where do you want to be in five years? that kind of carry on. Right. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm petrified sitting in this office next to you. I don't know you. You hardly yeah. speak to me. You're a wee bit condescending when you're in the team environment. And I'm in here trying to explain to you how I feel. And the truth is, I don't bloody know. I need you to help me. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. um, and he's like, would you want... And then he, he comes at me, well, what do you want to earn by such and such a time? And, and honestly, Martin, I didn't know the answer to that. So I spurted at oh, 35 grand at the time. And I think I was probably making about 22 or 23 at the time. Mm. So 35 grand felt like an unattainable amount of money to me at the time. You know, and obviously as I moved through that point of time to when I left at the bank, it did change, but not no through design, probably through accident. A lot of my career progression has been how much money can I earn? But 
at that time, that was such an intimidating experience. I remember speaking to this guy about it. He went, just don't mind him. He's a tool. And that's not the word they use, but yeah. I'm clean. No, I, um, I, I love that word. <laughs> I, and Well, that's not the word they use, but... Um, and, and, and I just think those things meant more to me than, than necessarily the, the skills. I think a lot of what I've picked up is observational. I don't think you can... You can really prepare yourself for what's like even even in a boardroom right when i was at sky and we can talk a wee bit about that but going in there and sitting in a boardroom for like sex and for the first time and thinking wow this is quite an intimidating environment and and how do you deal with it and you're, you're dealing with people with razor sharp minds and um agendas and egos and and all that sort of stuff I don't, i'm not worried about that i'm worried about somebody saying i've got you you know and, and that guy had me you know for a long time and i'll be forever appreciative of it and it, and it it just gave me the confidence to go and do other things, you know. When you have become not that guy in his behaviours, right? But when you have become the senior person, the the most senior person that some people have uh, are going to meet in in your organisations that you've worked in um, since that point. How how do you conduct yourself? What's important for you to to share with them? I, I think. Be as honest as you can to, to the degree that you can, right? So so clearly if you're working in a business that's volatile and, and is under a bit of pressure at times, you need to be really considered about what you share, Martin, and how you share that. But I've got I've got a couple of red lines. I don't tell people lies. It's just it just does my, my head in when people I've sat in rooms where I've heard senior leaders just talking garbage, you know, and it and it frustrates me. I've I think it's important to be there. So, for example, for my team, if they say that I need you, I'll be there. I've worked with people who've texted me at the weekends. And maybe you shouldn't do that or, or late at night. Um, and there was, there's people I worked with my team, I could tell if they had a couple of shandies or whatever, you know, with the, 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 the time of the text. Um, <laughs> but I think it's about being yourself and, and showing yourself up there. But being open with your team to say, like, I make mistakes all the time, share them. I acknowledge when you're wrong. I mean, I, I remember, I, I think particularly when I worked at Sky Retail and I'm jumping ahead, but... I had to learn that job. I was a contact guy doing retail. And, and, and I went out in the front line, I went in the middle of the team leaders, and I just went and absorbed it and experienced it and learned from it and shared the fact I was learning. You know, you, you've got to try and be yourself. I, I, I don't aspire to be the next Elon Musk. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to run the world. I want to do the best job that I can for the job that I'm in. Um, and I want people to do well. It's important to me that people develop and, and, and get what they need from it. And particularly when I've run sort of kind of teams of seven or eight or nine, it's, it's difficult to be everywhere for everybody at all times. But when people did have me, they would get my attention and and, and it would be up to them to dictate it. It's all different things to different people at times, Martin, but don't don't tell people lies. Um, be there for them um, and genuinely care. You know, I, look, I'm fortunate that, that I've worked with great people and I've been really fortunate that some people have recruited brilliant people for me before I've walked into a job. You know, I think even when I walked into the, the first Sky Contact Centre in particular, there was brilliant people already in there. A good friend of mine, um, David Toner, who recruited most of them and has become a really good friend of mine now, um, had done most of the work. And that guy showed so much, so much humility and, and gratitude for... He, 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 he fancied a go at that job that I went in to do, but he just got on board really quickly and he was just a great advocate and great team. And I only had to recruit one person to make that team even better. And that was such a, a privilege. Whereas when I had Sky Retail, I recruited all my regional managers. So if, if any of that didn't work, that was on me. <laughs> um, but it also helped you pick a whole 
group of different thinkers. And, and one of the things I really value, and I got this again from a mentor because at first I didn't get it, is diversity is not just about backgrounds and ethnicity and, and all that sort of stuff. It's it's about people who think different. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, I already know how I think, right? I'm an activist, I'm a doer, and I'm, and I'm very much sometimes in the, in the moment, man. You know, and I'm an emotive guy. I'm passionate about what I do. I care about people. I care about customers. Sometimes that can cross over into other people's values who are more business orientated than perhaps I am sometimes. And I would argue with people I'm a commercial thinker because I worked in a bank, right? You've always got to make money. That's what your business is for, right? But um, I, I can get in there and, and I really benefit from having reflectors on my team. I really benefit from having people who take time to think through a problem and then come back to me and say, look, you maybe want to consider this, David. And I'm like, right, okay. And it's kind of grudging, but it's respected and appreciated, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, and I think fr from a teamship perspective, gaining trust and getting the best for your teams and having that difference and, and different way of thinking and cultural backgrounds and, and all that sort of good stuff makes a difference. Um, I, I think it's been hard for me at times, Martin, to find space in rooms because of, and my head because of the background, because I think in a lot of businesses, they look at the operation the wrong way, right? So, so and I'm sure it's the same for you, right? Because England, Scotland, not that different. But I often describe it as the, the tail wags the dug, right? Um, and you've got these businesses who are telling the operation what you're doing. Your, your, your operation might be 60, 70% of your, 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 your sort of, like of employee stuff. And you've got finance guys telling you, oh, you're, all you are is cost. Like, we're the reason you survive, man, right? Yeah. We're the reason the customers come back. We're the reason that we improve retention rates. We're the reason your service levels are so good, you know, and people forget, you know. And um, my, my view is, is that the best businesses, the very best businesses, truly understand the impact of their contact centers or their operations or their people on the front line brilliantly and, and, and almost do that reverse pyramid, Martin where they're gaining all their ideas for the bottom up. And I think, just to go back to the initial question, because I went on a tangent, I would hope that people would say about me, because I think it's what people say about you versus what you say about yourself, right? I think they would say that I always listened and I always adopted and cared about people for every level. And I don't think it ever left me having done the, the, the first jobs, those sales jobs and going in and, and learning the business that way, as opposed to coming in at a middle management job. It's never left me. I always care about it yeah. to, to the point yeah. where I'm working out, what do I think people are going to earn each month? Is that fair? Is that equitable? Is yeah. that going to make a difference? And that's why when you've got the discussion just now about homeworking and what does that mean to people, you've got to figure in things like the fuel bills are going to go up a thousand yeah. a year. What does that mean if yeah. you're on a 20 grand a year salary? And I've, yeah. ne I've never left it, you know, and, mm -hmm. and long may that continue. I completely agree. And the people are lucky to have leaders like you. I'm not lucky, but um, it's great because thinking about people that are doing the job, I, I, I'm i like you, I've worked in places where you develop a little bit of a chip on your shoulder about how the contact center is perceived. So I can distinctly remember working in the contact center and then fast forward about a year or so the role I did meant I had to spend a lot of time in our head office in, in London, mm -hmm. which was smaller number of people, and I'm not poo-pooing what they did at all, but they was there was generally a 
looking down their nose kind of at operations. So we, we were just like the blunt tools, you know, uh, at high cost. And for me, being one of the lone voices kind of saying, you do realize it's us that are talking to the, we're the only ones that talk to our customers, right? We're the only ones. So every, like you, everything that is here is as a result of operations. So can we not work better together? It's, it's, it's strange, isn't it, that that kind of dynamic still exists? I mean, the level of snobbery exists is, is, is exceptional still. Uh, and, and different levels of snobbery, um, I'd say, Mark. Snobbery about the work type. Um, and, and here's the thing for me is I will never, ever disrespect the job that people do frontline. And actually, for a long time, and, and right up, I've not done it in this job yet because onboarding virtually, and, and that's a different experience, but when, when I worked, the last job I had, and, and even when I've when I done um, Sky um, Retention in the contact centre, I used to go and pitch for the guys at retail. I used to get the uniform on and go and pitch. Now, I couldn't use the iPad, right? So if I got a sale, the guys had to process it, right? And, and I would speak to customers, say, well, I'm the director. You know, talk to me, what's it like? And, and occasionally, and, and I like, there's no hiding ground when you're in the middle of a shopping centre and somebody comes up to you and goes, you're brand shit, and they want to have a go at you, <laughs> you know, and, and you're defending it. And, and look, well, I've not really talked about it, but I worked for the RB, direct line. You can hear my love for the group, and I loved RBS. I, I had six brilliant years at E. It was T-Mobile E. I've met brilliant people. I get exposed to stuff that I was part of the team that brought 4G to the UK. I'm, I'll be forever grateful for that. I think Olaf Swanty had one of the, the, the most simplest, powerful, strategic messages I've ever heard in best service, best network. And see when he put best customer service at the heart of that strategy, everybody yeah. paid attention. And, and very few companies do it to that degree that he did. And he was very innovative to the point where BT bought it and have kept it. You know, there's a reason a lot of people, I think, that for, for, for the legacy EE team are now in senior positions in BT. Brilliant company. Loved my time there. I loved the guys down in Greenock so much that I've ended up back down in Greenock as part of Signal, albeit I've got teams across the world now. But I, I think that bit about when you come up in meetings, there's a snobbery about the work in the sense that it's a cost. We need to do it. It's compulsory. We can't do it. And, and look, working for a couple of brands, right? I'm not going to mention which ones of the ones everybody can see my career. They can make their own mind up, right? And you're sitting in rooms and people are, are talking about this, that, and the next thing. And I'm thinking, you, you've lost the point here. You know, what is it's going to convince somebody to part with 100 quid a month for your product? You know, you just think because it looks glossy that you've got the best marketing campaign or you, you don't know about wee Joe who's had his wife in his ear to cancel his, his subscription let's say, um, on a Sunday, having me phone in on a Monday to do it, and you've got some guy in, in Glasgow answering the phone trying to save that business, right? You don't understand the concept of that because you don't live in that world. You don't yeah. live in a world where 100 quid a month means anything to you. And the reason you don't live in it is because all these customers support you. And, and it's, it's making that connection, and people don't. Um, and then what you can get, particularly in big businesses, and I've worked in big businesses. I didn't talk about the time I worked in utilities, which was only a 300 type business which is slightly different but in big businesses when you've got these big departments that don't touch customers or spend time with customers they don't get it and that's not their fault our job as customer professionals is to bring that message to them you know and, and you need to you need to impassionately educate people about what customers want yeah. what customers want is simple service greg's a brilliant at it right so stepping back you walk into greg's and like what do you want 
right? <laughs> and, and and they know what they're going to ask you, right? And and, and the fact that we can't do that in contact centers is um it's frustrating at times for the guys that lead them. I mean, I I think a lot of businesses, and I see some people talking about CX practitioners, right? And I often think, what's a CX practitioner? Um, but you see these journey lines and process maps and all the rest of it, and, and it and it doesn't need to be that complicated for yeah. me. Your customers tell you what you want. Mm. You know, I've worked with marketing teams like we've done the sample survey, and I can't, I don't know why I'm putting on a voice, but we've done this sample survey. Um <laughs> And customers tell us this, and I'm like, you've spoke to 100 people at 11 million. You know, yeah. let me tell you what customers are telling me, because I'm listening and I'm talking to them, I'm out there speaking to them. That's not what they want. And, and trying to win the arguments is really difficult, Martin, but what I would say as part of your authenticity is, is if you believe in it, have the arguments, go fight for what you think you believe in. And, and I've won some of them and I've lost some of them, you know, and I've worked with people and you talk about your career and... Look, I hope I'm the type of leader that I've had the, 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 the opportunity to work with, i.e. they've taught me loads and want me to give back. I hope I'm the type of leader that, for the most part, tries to get it right and is not selfish and not trying to drive my own agenda. But we're human. Sometimes you, be, you drive your own objective, you know, and I've done that. Um, I think that I'm at that point in my career now where I'm trying to give back more than I take, you know, Um and it's important to me that people feel that they've got a transparency and honesty in there. And I've worked in rooms where the people around about me don't think like that, you know, either operationally or um, and, and other teams. That doesn't make them bad people. You know, they probably go home. Their mum probably still loves them, Martin, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think that they've got their own motives. It's been a natural value crossover with me at times when people have promoted their ideas and philosophies, a sense of... In, what they're trying to achieve for what it makes them look like. I don't really care about what things make me look like anymore. I mean, I'll be professional, I'll do a good job. I understand operations really well. I can make a difference. I tend to operate in a space now where I go in, I sort of fix stuff. I, I try to change the culture a bit more. I try to make it easier and simpler for customers and for people or for people and customers. And then the business comes. It's that whole one plus two equals three type philosophy. Um, but that's hard because you've got to navigate all these other sectors and all these other segments in large corporate. And when I took my consultancy last year and when I, when I left Sky and I, 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 I left under my own volition in a, in a way that was, and I have to thank Sky for this, Martin. They really looked after us. Um, Post-COVID, they said to everybody, director level above, and look, we understand this has been tough. This has took a lot out of people yeah. and what do you want to do? And for me at the time, opening closing retail two or three times, was that was enough. I closed 30 stores and I didn't want to do it again, you know, and um, that, that hurt me. That hurt me to lose those jobs when, if I'm really honest, I'm, I think we could have looked at the world differently. I'm trying to be really cautious. I'm just thinking about the, what does my NDA say and it doesn't say. <laughs> um, well, we'll see how many of them listen to it and see if I have to answer a question. But I think um, they, they looked after me a lot and I have to say this, Sky was an amazing company to be part of, but a really demanding and challenging company. That's why it is where it is, you know? Mm. What I would hope is that if you spoke to any of those guys in Glasgow that I worked with, any of those guys in retail, they'd say, look, this guy gave a damn about us. He tried really hard to make it simple. Mm. He actually really cared about customers. So he cared about the experience that they got. Um, and, and and I hope they got that. But they looked after me to the point where I was like, I'm drifting last year. I'm like, what do I want to do? And I set up my own business, Ex Animal, which is 
one of the few Latin expressions I understand, which is from the heart, which is kind of what you get from me. And, and that's what led me to Sigma. I, I done a, I, I done a talk on, um, almost seems a bit oblique to say it this way, but inspirational leadership, right? And I was talking to these guys and, and, and it led to other conversations. Well, what are, you, what are you up to at the moment? And, and I remember they were saying about what they were doing and, and I met the CEO who I work for and I was just really impressed by her in terms of her values. That's what sort of gets me there and what they wanted to achieve and, and what I felt I could add to that. Um, and I remember thinking at the time, you, you, to, to do that, you need skin in the game so you don't join as a consultant. And it, no disrespect, I'm sure lots of consultants on here and lots have heard that, but consultancy sometimes is short term to medium, isn't it? Otherwise, and I don't, and I don't mean it disrespectfully. There's a lot of good people do it. I, I don't, I didn't ever want to be the type of consultant that went in somewhere for five years and picked up just a higher wage. I want to go in and, and make an impact. That was yeah. my idea, you know. Um, I, I agree. And 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 that's why I end up in Sigma. But you know, I think brilliant companies, brilliant people. The talent that, that's in customer operations is extraordinary. The people, I, I mean, see, even if I think about back to direct line twenty odd years ago, see the amount of people that are entrepreneurs now. They've got their own businesses, far far richer and better off than I am, or or just had these extraordinary careers where they're all leading big centres or directors themselves. And the people that I've met along, some of the guys that I met at Sky as well, were just extraordinary. You know, the team that I was, the business team I was part of, E, we were a real team. See the, the leaders in it. I mean, honestly, the scrapes we get into and, and away nights and stuff. Um, Paul, who I worked with there as well. I mean, we used to rock up at these corporate events, and honestly, that boy. You got me into some some scrapes, you know, but <laughs> it's it's part of it. It needs to be the payoff, isn't it? When you're making a difference, you need to get something back somewhere. And for me, it was it was the camaraderie, it was the friendships, it was yeah. the relationships. And I worked really hard um, in the last sort of year or so to re-establish some of them. They drifted a wee bit. I became too focused on work and less focused on the people around about it. And I think when I took up when I took that break, it helped me realign my thinking on that and getting the balance and, and, and my boss at the moment is really, really good at saying like the weekend's yours, you know, after, after a certain time of night, if you need to work fine, but I'm not advocating it and I'm not going to do it. So um, this is where you should be. And it's really helped me reset and, 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 and get back in touch with some of these people. So again, you learn loads and loads and loads of stuff. The, the people that I've had the privilege to meet, the people, Sky spent a lot of money on really high end sort of kind of trainers and, 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 and courses, which was cool. Um, not always executed well, but it was cool. Um, and I'm really privileged to have had these things. I would never have had them without that contact centre career. And that's before you talk about the life it's gave my family. You know, I'm really grateful for it. And 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 hopefully even just be sharing people and go, I can have a career. And, and, and I would say to people, you can have a career. Always say yes. Yeah. I mean, people go, do you fancy dinners? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I think I only said no to something once and, and end up, I changed my mind and then they didn't want to do it for me. And then they changed their mind and then they wanted to give it to me. And I said, yes, the second time round. But I think one of the things I've learned in the context, just say yes, because people are I, for a reason. I got the same, I got the same message um, a good few years ago. And I actually tried it um, at home and I've never looked back. So if you're that kind of saying yes, right. If you're, um, kids say, "Can we go and play this?" And you, you're, you've set your evening up, or you've come home from work and you're knackered, and you're thinking, oh, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to watch a bit of telly or whatever." And one of the kids goes, "Oh, can we do this?" 
if you've if you've changed your mind, if you've said from now on, I'm just going to say yes to stuff. Say yes, and then you do it. It takes the decision made. It takes the process out that makes you turn that into that request automatically into a no. And I would say it's absolutely helped my career, but my home life as well. That kind of just just say yes, just say yes. See what happens. Um, it, it's been a privilege to. Um, talk to you I, absolutely I, there's so much stuff to take out there I love the thing about making a conscious decision to employ people that don't think the same as you because I think it's very easy and comfortable to do the opposite to go I don't like this person in the interview because they, they, they don't feel like my type of person rather than going well you know what we're going to be better if we've got different thinkers and, and what was the Latin phrase so, so my company was called Ex Animal. Uh, doesn't it sound great when you're a, when you're Scottish and you've got the, the the COVID in your system? But it, it, it means from the heart. E X A N I M O. So it sounds like you're saying Ex Animal, right? And I had to explain it. And I worked with an Indian ed tech company, um, and none of the guys understood the, <laughs> the reference because I could obviously my my accent's strong as well, Martin. But j- just on it, and, and and I do want to make the point is particularly for leaders listening. Um, and you do a lot of great stuff for, for team leaders, and, and I do think that's our, our, our most important audience as leaders at, at large businesses. I, I remember this girl came in, and, and I'm just going to name her. So, so, so Jen came in um, when I was recruiting for the retail regional manager, and they had one slot left. And she came in and she opened up a slide deck that started with Wonder Woman. And then she just began to explain to me why I should recruit her. And I just thought, yeah, you're right. I don't have anybody like you. You're just different. And, and she openly challenged me and stuff. I remember she said something to me at a meeting and I just burst it. It was quite cheeky, right? And, and I just burst out laughing and I thought, that's brilliant. You know, and, yeah. and I think you've got to be able to embrace it. And, and I see a lot of leaders just now, Martin, and, and, and I learned this for a few people, so it's not mine and I stole it with pride or borrowed it with pride, whatever way you want to call it. Um, we all have lots of reasons not to give people a job. My role and responsibility as a leader is to find reasons to give the right talent a job. I could sit here and score anybody a certain way with my bias. Mm. My job's to see beyond that and look for the potential and the opportunity versus the negative. You know, and and, and look, my whole experience last year, I ended up speaking to lots of different companies for different reasons. Clearly, I've got a big CV. A lot of companies can't get their head around the fact you've worked for different industries. Look, they see he's a banker, they see he's a telecommunications guy, they see he's a media guy. I see me as a people guy. Yeah, right? That's how I see me in a customer person, not as a, as a leader that way. But everybody can find a reason to say no, and people are so limited in their thinking, you need to expand your mind. You know, and I think we have a responsibility as senior leaders to look at the world differently for those who came before us. When I spoke to some of these companies last year, they can't see how restricted they are in some of their thinking. I get when you interview me or you ask me and I'm, I'm pitching for business, I over talk it, right? Because I'm passionate. I love being with people, right? It's part of why I do what I do. But you've got to see beyond that. You've got to see the detail. You do that really well. You pick out really big nuggets of stuff that people are giving you when they're... When they're and I heard that in the last couple. You're just picking out a little bit, the bit about um, Obama making the decisions, his wardrobe's pretty much the same. Maybe that's why Simon Cowell's only got T-shirts and jeans, right? Yeah. He's got so many other things to decide. <laughs> just get him yeah. simple to wear, right? Yeah. Um, so, so so, I pull out those nuggets as well and then think about how I use them. But 
as leaders, it's, it's our responsibility to find the talent and explore it and not just stick with what you know or, or somebody who recommended somebody or we don't want to take a risk. You know, I, I went for a job years and years ago at a business who I've ended up working with and they said, yeah, we, we want somebody different. And they went and hired somebody exactly the same as they had before. Mm. And then they eventually had to hire me anyway, right? Mm. So what difference does it make? Take a chance, mm. take a risk, believe in people more than people do sometimes. Some people are just so restricted in their thinking, it frustrates me. But um, I'd like to think that I'm open-minded now. And, I, and I'll never forget that one, Wonder Woman, when that one stuck with me. Um, and there's a few interviews through the years that stuck with me. Um, I, I don't know if you used to do this as part of sales stuff. We used to say to people that interview sales, sell me a product that you, you, you really love. And, and a guy said to me one time, he says, the Sun newspaper. And I went, what, really, why? And he went, because it's a comic for adults. And I just thought, you're in. You know, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. it, it a bit. But uh, aside, I mean, look, uh, there is a big thing for me about giving people a chance and develop people and support people. And, and even if you don't see them in your team, help them understand why they're not there and what you can do to work with them and give them that, that relative support and feedback so that they can improve and be better. I, I know from just this time spent talking to you that when you share with people, you if you come across as very honest, engaged, like you say, you kind of your hearts, your hearts in it. That honesty shared with people is going to be massive for them in their in their career. And we haven't really even touched on some of the things we thought we might um, we might talk about. So yeah. I do say this What's too that? often, and I am I am genuine, but I definitely can, we're going to have to do another one um, just to go through some of the uh, some of the points that you raised, but. David, it's been it's been an absolute privilege. I, I get a, in a small way, but an hour's worth of what it must be like to have worked with you um, throughout your career, and it's genuinely um, been a privilege. Thank you very much. Oh, mine, Martin. And listen, keep up the great work. One of the reasons that I first became aware of your work is you share the job um, updates each week, and I just that's why I share it. Now it's just like somebody somewhere must see this stuff. We both yeah. must know about four million recruiters between us. There seems to be more recruiters than, than, than contact centres at times, but <laughs> yeah. I, I would hope that these people get a chance. Brilliant people sometimes just end up in the market, you know? Yeah, um, And, and, and we, we, we've got a responsibility to do what we can and pay it forward for everybody that did it for us. So, so well done and thank you. And look, you ever want me again, I can fill an hour easily at any given yeah. time, right? But any given <laughs> yeah. subject. So, like, good luck with it and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate All it. Right. Thanks. Well, let's sort out uh, when we hit our hit stop record and then yeah. we'll sort out the next one. Sure. But Probably. David, thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. And thanks also to everyone that's ever gone on and written a review or rated the podcast. Thanks to you and all the listeners. We've actually got to the top 50 in the Apple charts three times in the last month, which when you think about the industry we're in and also it is still just me doing this um we're up there with some the big the big players and to do it for contact centers is just brilliant so thanks very much yay